Hey everybody, welcome to the special, as always, live edition of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast with the amazing, the extremely well-dressed today with some pink lipstick. I'm pretending, I'm pretending that I'm going somewhere today. Yeah, it's so nice out. I just want to like, you know, celebrate it in small ways, I suppose. Well, you look nice. And, Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you could join me for today's chat. So, Thank you. It's been a very interesting few weeks. You know I've launched my mentorship and that's been great. We sold out and completely full group did our first call last week and uh, it was awesome. Amazing, amazing group. And it's going to be fun. It's been very intense for me to start curating all the thoughts that I have unconsciously and putting them into what effectively will be a course. But it's been really great to connect with some really motivated people. And I'm excited to see how that goes. And you know, the offer is basically like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you guys how to exercise and teach you guys how to do this correctly and how to help other people exercise. I think it's relatively simple and I think people make it really complex when it doesn't need to be, but it's been, it's been interesting to start looking at all the things we look at at this unconscious level and trying to bring them to the surface and, and make it something that someone can actually absorb and consume and learn yeah. and apply. So I don't want it to be a course, right? I don't want it to be like, Hey, here's a bunch of information, go apply it. I want it to be a mentorship. I want to help guide people. I want to help um, give them action items and, and, uh, help them navigate through their goals, navigate through their obstacles. Um, so it's been, it's interesting. It's been fun. Well, it definitely seems like, you know, I'm kind of insider, outsider watching this happen. And the thing that seems so unique to me is the level of attention and effort you put into curating the group that you're putting together, which I think makes a big difference, right? Because a lot of people who are doing this kind of stuff, they're like, all right, I have this information to share, come one, come all. And that makes it really hard to sort of manage and create a curriculum that's going to be really effective for the people that are in the group, right? So it's like a lot more work at the outset, but seems to work out for you. Yeah, about half the people weren't kind of accepted. And it's not like me saying, oh, it's, you're not ready for this. It's just not, it's not correct for them, right? Right. So if if you're a good fit for it, then it makes sense. But about half the people, and I got on a phone call with everybody personally, to see if it would made a lot of sense and told them what we're doing, what we're, what our objectives are and see if it fits in their business, in their life, in, in the, even the current scope of what they're trying to do. And yeah, we got exactly 30 people um, ready to rock. It's going to be so much fun. So one of the things that's, that I love doing, you know, this is work connecting with people one-to-one and actually helping them work through their issues, providing a new perspective and also bringing in my mentors, people who have mentored me through the years to help teach. And it's just fun. Uh, Nate's asking about a muscle intelligence certificate. So we're doing a personal training course that we'll be launching hopefully by, you know, they're trying to push me to launch it in September, but the likelihood of that is very small. Uh, I think maybe October, November, if I'm, if I'm doing really, really well with managing my time and creating content, it's just a lot to do, man. Yeah, You dive into it. You don't, re- you realize like it's insane how much it is. What's the difference? And I think we've talked about this before, but just so the people who are listening are very clear, because I know there's so many people that are interested in both of these kind of separate programs that you're offering. But what is the difference between this mentorship program you're doing right now and this coaching certificate that's going to be available later on? Mentorship is going to be really high level. People who already have a, a good amount of experience, people who already have an established business or an established client base, where personal training certification is going to be really for anyone who wants to understand the process. So if you're a beginner, it could be great for you. If you're more advanced, it could be great for you also. Because obviously, I mean, actually, you spent some time with me. The way I look at exercise is different than most people look at exercise. And I think it's simple. I think it's very applicable, very, very useful. And I think giving that to anybody is just this whole new paradigm in exercise, right? And there's very few people teaching it. I'm not saying I'm the only one. There's very few people teaching it. It's just all different markets. Everyone's teaching to a different different demographic. The guy who's the king of it all is, is Tom Purvis, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Purvis has been a guest on the podcast at least twice, maybe three times. 
He's actually flying into Tampa this weekend to help teach the mentorship group as well. He's Yoda, man. He's he's literally the goat. And uh, nobody looks at exercise like that guy does. Nobody in the world. I've met most people. So I'm very blessed to have worked with him. And, you know, I've just basically taught what or taken what I've learned from Tom and applied it with a completely different spin, right? Applying it to bodybuilding, applying it to how hard I pushed my body and seeing where this applies, where it breaks, and then ultimately how to integrate all the different types of stimuli. So Tom's very specific to looking at forces and biomechanics and exercise, where then I'll layer on top the autonomic nervous system and a state control and arousal. And how do you do that in, in a progressive way and periodization and programming and how do you then stack nutrition on top of that and stack recovery on top of that? And there's kind of multifactorial, multi-layered approach to ultimately building a body. Uh, and now it doesn't have to be maximum amounts of muscle either, right? It can be for any goal. It can be for someone who's just looking to live uh, a long life in a body that's mobile, right? I was talking with somebody, someone to somebody about this this morning. The way we train, 100% of the time increases mobility. People go, Ben, how are you so mobile? Well, it's just the way I train. I actually, ironically, and this is really sounds really weird, lately have found yoga to make me tighter and, and training to actually be the thing that loosens me up. Yoga tends to make me a little imbalanced. So I know why. It's my egocentric attachment to being able to do what I used to do, right? So, you know, I've been real, I was really consistent with yoga for a long time, for over a year. And my mobility was fantastic. And now I get back into it and I go, oh, I used to be able to get there. I can get into those positions, but it's just not the same mobility, the same like access at different ranges. So now I tend to get tighter after yoga. I'm like, God, I, like I'm hurting. Whereas after when I train, even if I'm doing five, 600 pound squats, I feel better. My joints feel better. I feel loose because I'm doing it correctly. So it's mm -hmm. interesting awareness. So for the mentorship program that you're doing now, how long does that go? Because I'm assuming you're probably going to offer, you know, yeah. as well as we expected to you're gonna offer more right maybe you know like we'll see how it goes i mean if, if everyone's having a great time and everyone everyone gets a great benefit yes it's going to be 13 weeks so we did the first week was just kind of an introductory call everyone kind of said their their piece 12 weeks of content two to three hours a week teaching for me and then intermittently with the other experts coming on as well kind yeah. of in between so that'll be additional content and there'll be six other people coming on to help us with content so unfortunately if anybody's interested it is full but we will start a, a waiting list if anyone wants to email and maybe jump in the next round again like i said if there's a huge demand for it we'll talk about doing it again because ultimately i'm building the content once and i can continue to, to teach it and, and hone it and sharpen it and get better but um, so yeah, there certainly is an opportunity to do it again. Whether or not we do, we'll see, right? We'll see what where life, where the winds of life take us. Speaking of squats, I've been following and enjoying your squat emails and trying oh, to do them as best I can. I feel like you're getting a lot of good response from that. Like I'm seeing a lot of people posting about it and they're trying it and they're doing it at home. Can you talk about sure? That? So I so I made the mistake of, you know, when you you queue up there those those weekly emails for us, you know you have to put the response email in there. So if somebody hits reply that goes to that specific email. So I've made the mistake and it was completely a slip of putting my email in the response email. And I got 15,000 emails <laughs> over the span of about three, three to four days and then it's continued to roll in over seven days. So that was interesting. So point being, it was a great response, uh, which is fantastic. And that was basically people saying, yes, I want the workouts every week. And for a long time, every Sunday, I would send out a workout because I would squat on Sunday. So I'd send up my Sunday squat workout and uh, we followed, We had this huge following of people that were doing it around the world. They, they would tag us. They would screenshot the workout. They would post a, a set that they're doing. Um, and it became this thing. And we were you know, making jokes about we're saving marriages around the world because you know, building big round booties tends to help sex lives. And Doesn't hurt. That, that was kind of the joke. But yeah, so most emails will have a video attached. 
So like one specific thing that most people are doing wrong in a squat and how to improve it. So if you follow each of the emails in sequence, you'll get kind of this full uh, education around how to squat correctly. And if you're a coach or if you're just a person who wants to squat without pain, you know, this would be the best way to do it. So, you know, the intention is you're getting this workout that's very progressive each week. So my suggestion is to start at week one and work your way all the way through to at least week six, maybe a good 12 weeks, uh, depending on, you know, depending what's going on. I'll do at least six and, and uh, maybe longer. And if anyone hasn't already joined that and they want to go back, um, so you'll have to wait till the end of six weeks to start at week one again, but we will have it available on my website um, if at the end of six weeks, if you want to opt in, then you'll get all of them at the same time. And is this more like lower body strength or is it squat specific or what is it? It's with the intention of mastering the squat in six weeks, okay. but I also add in additional uh, work. So I, I'm not adding in like leg presses and hex squats, maybe, maybe minimal. But so my belief is that to be a really good squatter, you have to be good at a number of specific skills. The most important maybe being a lunge. So there'll be a lot of lunging. There'll be some step-ups. There'll be some ankle mobility stuff, some hip mobility stuff. There'll be lots of different types of squatting. So there'll be wide squat, narrow squat, uh, hip dominant, like glute dominant squat versus quad dominant squat, heel elevated, front squats, dumbbell squats, all many different types of squatting just to start to get the hinge pattern and understand that, that kind of squat pattern. But there's also uh, within every email, there's also the the kind of troubleshooting because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't squat. Well, bullshit. You can't squat. You just need to learn how to do it correctly, right? Okay. And even people who have back problems, I can't squat wrong. Like you're just not squatting correctly. We can teach you how to squat 100% without pain. Okay. You just need to learn how to do it for your body. And um, that may be a very small range of motion to begin with, but that's the first video. And I suggest everybody watch that as like actually learning what range of motion you should be training in. It doesn't mean you need to squat with your asses on your ankles. You need to learn what works for your body and not breaking your body. And eventually, if you obey the rule of active range of motion, the law, we should call it, of active range of motion, your body will open up and the range will get better. If you don't obey the law of active range of motion, your body will get tighter. And that's just, I've seen that across the board. So active range of motion is what can I actively control with my muscular contraction, right? Rather than passively allowing a weight to push me somewhere, allowing myself to fall somewhere passively and not being able to identify where the range of motion is coming from, where the, where the movement is coming from. Mm -hmm. specific to what joint. So is it coming at my hip joint? Is it coming at my spine? Is it coming at my knee, my ankle? Where's the where's the motion happening? And is it happening at the joint that I want to be happening at, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to train my glutes. I need the most range to happen at my hip. And that doesn't include rounding into my lower back. And most people are so limited in their ability to access hip flexion, that like squatting position mm -hmm. that they just dump into the lower back, right? And, and if one side is different than another, that's a completely different scenario where you're dumped to one side or the other. Yeah. Um, so if someone tends to roll into the lower back, you know, they call it butt wink. Yep. It's just not a good thing, right? That's just ultimately going to hurt your lower back. Now, we will say this. In athletics, it's probably par for the course. Sometimes in athletics, you intentionally train those positions where you know you're going to get into by accident, right? Like as an athlete, you have this amazing amount of resilience. You sometimes intentionally challenge those things that are maybe not the best for your spine, just in case you happen to get there, you know, during an event. Whereas as someone looking to build their body or improve their physique or improve their health of their joints, I strongly suggest for the most part, you avoid those. And then with the intention of improving your active range of motion over time with, you know, adding in simply mobility and stability work, which is you know, basically spending time in those ranges that you can already control and your brain starts to loosen up because it senses stability. 
Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask a question that's a little bit more like esoteric about this mentorship thing. And I know that you've got your, your group for this round. So that part's kind of done. But I wanted to ask you, because you get so many people that are interested in this and so many people that want to work with you, understandably so. But I think that before they kind of even pitch themselves to you, they almost need to get very clear within themselves about whether they're ready to take part in a mentorship program, whether they're ready to engage in a relationship with a mentor or a mentee or whatever. So do you have kind of some, some exercises or mental exercises for people to undertake to determine if they're like ready to put that kind of work in first? That's a good question. Yeah. So I I don't know that I have it off the top of my head, but when I'll get on a call with people, I'll always ask the questions like, you know, tell me about your goals. Are you willing to commit? And you know, the question I'll always throw at people, are you interested or are you committed? Yeah. And if you're not committed, don't waste my time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money, right? Save it. If you're committed to these goals, then you take action and, and you commit no matter what you burn the bridges, right? And that's, we can go through so many different things in life and be interested. And then all of a sudden something else interesting comes along and we'll, you know, follow, follow that sale. So okay. um, with this stuff, if people are interested in, in building their business or interested in understanding exercise, I'm like, don't worry, it's not for you. Like if you're committed to being a world-class coach and be able to deliver world-class results to anyone that walks in your door. And not only that, to take action on improving your life, taking accountability for the stuff you're not pulling your socks up on, right? That's a big piece. So we do the first thing we do, like, you know, once people are accepted, they get an intake form and it's effectively this this self-assessment. Where are you now? What have you done up to this point in your life? Tell me your story, right? Tell me all the stories you have about your childhood. Tell me all the stories about where you are now. What certifications have you done? What education have you done? What do you not like to do? And then, you know, setting goals and going, okay, well, where do we want to be and what are the gaps and then how do we fill them? So my target with the mentorship is I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully guide you to fill those gaps, right? So if I'm here now and I want to be there as honestly and objectively as possible, leading people to where they want to go. So, you know, the biggest challenge we have as humans is we like to, to rationalize our bullshit and we like to use softeners like, oh, it's not so bad. Well, yeah, bullshit. You need someone to keep you accountable and to be honest with you. So that's a big piece of it is, you know, this daily or weekly accountability to setting goals, accomplishing goals and following through on your goals. So we have a spreadsheet of everyone who's, you've got assignments every week. And if everyone's submitting their assignments, they're fine. If they don't, they're going to hear from me. Some yeah. people may want to hear from me, but um, yeah, so it's it's, uh, it's a big part of, um, like I say, why this is a mentorship and not a course is yeah. I hope to choose people who are very motivated. And ultimately at the end of this, they've seen an up-leveling in their life, right? It's not just like, oh, I, I took this course, that was cool. Forget that, that's a waste of time. Like everyone can, t- can read a book and take a course. Uh, what can we do to actually up-level le- up every aspect of our life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on this like accountability part, which I think is important. But I think, I, I wonder if you agree with this, that it, while of course it's useful to always have mentors and coaches, some point you want their help in being able to be your own accountability, right? Like I think that one of the, and the reason why I say that is just because I think you get this a lot and you talk about this a lot, like knowing the why behind the things that you're doing is Mm -hmm. more important arguably than the how to get there, right? Because I get a lot of, especially women who come to me that are asking me questions like, you know, I need to get abs. I'm planning on getting abs. I'm planning on getting this percentage of body fat. I'm planning on being a hundred percent keto. And here's my 
way to do that, but I'm kind of confused as to how to do it. And I always go back and ask, okay, well, why do you want a six pack first? What's the reason? Like, what do you think is you're going to get from it? Or what, what's the goal? Or why do you have to be hundred percent keto all the time? Is it because someone just outside of your circle told you that that's the healthiest thing to do? And I think that when people dig down deeper and they can't explain why their goal is their goal, that's the work that needs to be done first, right? Yeah. So I think the the long and short of that answer is everyone just wants to feel better, right? They want yes. their brain to be happy. They want to feel better. They want to be motivated. They want to have more energy. And if you get down to it, those are all things that can absolutely be curated and have nothing to do with the end result, right? We can absolutely do that on a day-to-day basis. Like, how can I create motivation? How can I create fulfillment? How can I create joy? really any emotion you're trying to create on a day-to-day basis and build that into what is called your default mode network ultimately, right? You've got this this default way of thinking that your body, it's become the way your brain works. And, And again, I'm not an expert in this, but I've come to this belief that the brain creates the mind rather than people think that the mindset is a thing. Like what is your mindset? I don't know that it's a thing. Like I think it's, it's a result of neurochemistry, so uh, in response to your events of your life, your actions, your, you know, whether your, your inactions, your actions, your stresses, your, your resilience to stresses, your brain creates adaptations. So I feel a stress, I get a cortisol response. If it stays there for long, the cortisol becomes the default. It starts to change the shape of my neural pathways in my brain. If I'm constantly pursuing things and accomplishing them, I get dopamine. If that becomes something I do often, it starts to literally change the shape and structure and function of your brain. Mm-hmm. I think that's what ultimately creates your mindset. So people are trying to, to positive think their, their way out of negative neurochemistry. And that's a challenge, right? There's a lot of things that go into negative neurochemistry. Uh, Genetics is definitely a thing. Nutrition is definitely a thing. Light is definitely a thing. Sleep is definitely a thing. All of these things are contributing in some way to your neurochemical soup, right? So you have this blend of, you know, neurochemicals, basically. So, you know, dopamine, serotonin, glutamate, GABA, acetylcholine, uh, norepinephrine, all these different neurotransmitters and your effective ratio of these things and the prevalence and how often they're there is what's going to ultimately determine your likelihood of, of thinking in a certain way, right? So we know a lot of cortisol tends to shrink the hippocampus, which prevents, which ultimately leads to more amygdala or, or amygdala arousal. The hippocampus is responsible for storing memories. The amygdala is responsible for kind of your fight or flight. So if, you, if you're always in the state of fight or flight, that pathway becomes reinforced and that will become who you are. You'll always have stress and panic and, and overwhelm and be highly anxious person versus someone who's you know constantly dopamine driven will always have that desire to continue to pursue accomplishments and dopamine and and you know your brain will reflect it your body will start to reflect it your energy will start to reflect just what's happening inside the brain so point being we can use exercise to change this stuff because exercise is the time of the day that your body and brain is most plastic it's most receptive to change so if we can intentionally because there's there's challenge because there's this this muscular uh, response, this muscular challenge of myokines that's going to be released that makes your body more receptive to things, we have this amazing opportunity to subject ourselves to more discipline, to develop character, to intentionally subject ourselves to challenge, which is, I think, the greatest opportunity that exists in, in modern society to grow as a human and ultimately develop that neurochemistry that will support you positively in your life, right? And, and that includes what your brain is like going into the gym, right? If I go to the gym and I'm pissed off and I'm negative about it, I don't want to do it. You've already ruined it, right? And, and celebrating the win, celebrating, what did I do today? I did a great job. 
or did I not do a great job? You know, and, and find the little things to celebrate. So your brain starts to create that default. And then hopefully you take that default from what you create in the gym and you can take it outside into the world and yeah. uh, ultimately create your greatest life. It's funny, you, you kind of answered a question that I was just going to ask, but I want to expand on it a bit because one of your Instagram followers had sent a message saying, like, how do I even start with the positive thinking when I've been in this cycle of negativity and self-hatred and sure. self-loathing for so long? It kind of seems like you're saying that there's almost like a physical well, component to it first. 100%. So the body is the, is the pathway to the gateway to the mind. So, you know, there's two things. When you psychologically experience stress, if you're able to break the habit and you're able to move your body, you will immediately take yourself out of that amygdala-based response. So the amygdala is, is, like I said, the structure in the brain that basically controls your brainstem, that basically controls fight or flight. So if you're feeling like you're going into stress or overwhelm, the key is movement. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be 10 minutes of walking or, or jumping rope or push-ups or squats or anything that, that's movement-based, ideal, ideally bilateral stimulation. That's important. The next thing is every time you get pissed off about something, and this is one of my 44 principles, every time you get pissed off about something or something isn't meeting your expectations, you have to stop in that exact moment and find five things you're grateful for about it, like right there in that moment, right? So you can't be pissed off and grateful at the same time. Yeah. That, was, that was my quote. And that's just, just the reality. So as soon as you feel any type of emotion or thought that you're unhappy with, stop and go, what do I have to be grateful for in this moment about the thing that I'm being negative about, not just life. So that's where people go wrong with gratitude, right? People go wake up in the morning and they go, God, my life is great. I have my legs. I have my eyes and my heart is beating in my chest. My brain works well. It's sunny outside. I have money in the bank account. I have food in the fridge. I'm happy. Stop and ask what you're not happy about and how you can start to change the, the, your perspective and actually start to be happy about those things. So there's a lot of shit in life going on right now. That's probably challenging to be grateful for. Search for it, whether it be your relationship, whether it be your bank account, whether it be your business, your, your job, your body, whatever it is. What can you be super grateful for? That will start to change your brain to a more positive mindset. And you can then use that positive mindset as a positive reinforcement to change your body, right? So this is the irony of our bodies is sometimes people get overweight and obese and ultimately out of shape because they're constantly stressed and their eating habits become a response, a fear-based response to suppress the amygdala, right? So I get anxious or stressed or panicky. Most people do what? They eat. So that response now becomes the default. Now I feel stressed, I eat. It makes me feel better acutely. Or if I feel that stress, instead of doing that now, now I can just start to interject and change those stress responses. And now my desires to eat unconsciously are much less. Mm -hmm. I don't have the same desire to have that junk food anymore because I don't have that low level anxiety that I'm always living with. Yeah. I think this this is how this is, you know, when I wrote this transformation doc that you read, that's the premise of it, right? It's like, stop trying to cut your calories because that's increasing your stress, right? If I go into a caloric deficit, that's increasing your stress. That's a fact. It's a sympathetic stress. So, well, why do I want to do that? It doesn't make any sense. If I've already got huge amounts of stress and anxiety, you put your mean into a caloric deficit, it may work to lose fat in, in the short term, but as soon as you stop, you're going to go way back up in the opposite direction. So the first thing you got to do is you got to implement intervention strategies for stress. Yeah. So what are you doing to change your response? What are you doing to change your mind? Just like your question. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's not really an accomplishment to be grateful for all the wonderful things that are going on when your life's going great. But if you can find things to be grateful and positive about when life is challenging, that's when those mental switches actually happen. Yeah. Even the little things on a day-to-day -day basis, like, you know, the example I'll give is, I don't know, maybe you fall and, and trip and hurt your leg. Maybe you have a I don't know, poor workout today. Maybe you get a parking ticket. Maybe you get a speeding ticket. Maybe 
know, you get in sh- trouble with your spouse, whatever it is. Like the, you can still look layers deep and go, oh man, but I still have legs, but I still have a spouse, but I still have a car. You know, like I got to go to the gym, even though I didn't have the greatest workout, I still got to go and I still respected and loved my body. I did something great for myself. I could have been sitting on the, on the couch watching television. So you're looking layers deep and now you're creating that default. And I, it's interesting that my life has really started to shift lately from that perspective is instead of getting angry about things, it's just like, I'm looking for ways to be grateful for it. And it's now become almost a, a reactive thing where I don't get angry about things like I used to, or it's now like, oh, that's just there. What, I, what am I learning from it? What do I have to be grateful for? So it's yeah. less of an emotional attachment and more of a just like, it is what it is. Yeah. Keep doing it, you know, like, so which is a really powerful place for me because, I mean, emotions drive a lot of our behaviors. And, uh, you know, I was very guilty of that for a long time where things could definitely rub me the wrong way. And I still want to be like that anymore. So rather than being pissed off about something, I immediately switch it to go, I'm so grateful for this this thing. Whatever this was in the past, whatever it is in the future, um, we can learn to be grateful for it. And it's now, like I said, become my default. And it seems that I'm, it's much easier to get up every day and be happy. It's much easier to get up and be full of joy and have a heart full of love and ultimately lead people and be energetic and be happy all the time. Um, rather than like always feeling like you're you're fighting something and your body's always on high alert and you're burning through more energy so you don't have the energy to do the things you want to do. Yep. So it's interesting kind of flip. Yeah. One of the things I'm grateful for recently is the podcast, uh, your podcast that just came out with Sally Norton about Oxalate. Awesome, right? It was just so interesting. I mean, I knew a little bit about it and I know this, but people who are listening to this one, this podcast gets published. This was like the most recent podcast that you put out. But she was just so fascinating, the just kind of outlining why we need to look a little bit deeper past the vegetables are always good for you, meat is always bad for you, and you should limit, you know, the latter and and eat more of the former. It was just fascinating to me. Like, have you since you chatted with her, have you switched up any of your like dietary approaches as far as no, because I was doing it all before anyways. So Danny, Danny Vega, one of my best friends in the world um, is is a big Sally Norton fan. And uh, he's been telling me about her for years. And he's always like, man, I got to stop eating oxalates. So I was aware of what oxalates were and I've just pulled them out. And it's not like you're losing anything, right? You're just like, oh, okay. It's like a few less vegetables. And the only oxalates that I was eating maybe kind of unknowingly was nuts. And and I kind of stopped that at least at some level. So yeah, that's it. I mean, I didn't really do a huge amount of oxalates to begin with. You know, my foods are super simple. Like I eat 10 things probably. Um, And I feel really good with it. I mean, my digestion feels awesome. Like I I told you, I know I didn't tell you this. I did an experiment last week. Where I have this, someone sent me a, a jar of like superfoods and it's really high quality organic uh, superfoods. So I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't done this in a long time. When I retired from bodybuilding for, for a while, I was eating very low calories, very low protein with the intention of losing muscle. And I did that for quite a long time, lost a bunch of muscle and I was very high vegetable. So I was doing a lot of vegetable juices, a lot of super greens, a lot of salads and, and just vegetables with olive oil basically. And I felt okay at the time, but I hadn't done that in a long time. And so I decided to do seven days in a row of increased vegetables and some superfoods, almost like a detox, brought my protein down a little bit. And man, I felt terrible, terrible. Like my digestion was whacked. I always had a bloated stomach. I was like hurting. I was like, man. So, and then I pulled the superfoods out to see if it was that, wasn't that. It was just, you know, it was, it was just having vegetables. It was just like that and that sheer increased amount of vegetables was just tearing me up. And I was like, man, this doesn't feel right. So I've gone back to, I still eat vegetables every day. Don't get me wrong. But it's just not like... I'm not trying to eat four or five at a meal and I'm not adding in the superfoods. Even yeah. though everyone thinks it's ubiquitously healthy, we're going to have a super green shake or I'm going to have a wheatgrass shot or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe not, right? Yeah. So again, and I'm not saying it's wrong for everybody, 
Although I may, maybe it seems like it is. It seems like it's a low level irritant for everyone. And, and what level of irritation may depend on the current state of your system, the current state yeah. of your digestive tract, yeah. your stress levels, your genetics, so many things. But I think there's certainly something to be said for avoidance of most uh, toxins ultimately, right? Plant yeah. toxins. Yeah. And knowing how to prepare certain things, because obviously there are vegetables and nuts and, and eat meat even too, that the way you prepare it is going to have an inc- a significant difference on how you are able to take the the nutrients out of it, right? Like I like that it wasn't sort of just villainizing things across the board. Like there are lots of vegetables that can be very beneficial to a lot of people, but just to say, eat as many vegetables as you can all the time for everyone is not necessarily the right way to go. So I think it was cool. And like the whole, uh, you know, going back in history to the the cornflake story and like all of these foods that were created so that people wouldn't have sexy time ever in their life and it's just crazy it totally makes sense too doesn't it like well yeah anybody who's eating cornflakes will get it like that's not a sexy food like no wonder there is something to be said for like eating a rare steak versus a bowl of cornflakes one's gonna make you feel different minerals and yeah protein and just the fact that it's like tough to eat there's certainly certainly something to be said for like the the development of the jaw muscles and bone structures yeah that literally like and you'll see that in the weaker cultures the more like that maybe the more modern cultures have these really sunken down jaws and uh, that's really a sign of genetic inferiority ultimately right and it can happen only in like one or two generations like Mm -hmm. a poor diet that's one of the more incredible things the jaw structure things you see it in these young kids who are eat growing up on mush and and they just like their jaws all sunk in and just like oh man because you don't you don't realize the implication of of what it's going to do to your nasal cavity your ability to breathe all the the testosterone implications of apparently chewing with rigor apparently Mm -hmm. there's there's a huge amount of correlation with that and testosterone levels yeah interesting stuff yeah sugar and grain not sexy red meat more sexy yes i've been eating a lot of oysters lately i've been loving it so i've got very sexy yes i've got this place nearby that's got fantastic oysters expensive as heck but very very good so So i go over a few times a week and get oysters it's like usually my dinner it's nice that's got to be like that's up there with liver for like most nutrient-dense food on the planet is oysters yep Yep. and they work for they work for vegetarian or vegans too because don't they they don't have a nervous system so they're basically like a plant i read that somewhere well that's interesting yeah, I mean, they're right. not, like, if you look at them, they're not, they, they're barely an animal, really. I mean, they right. don't have any kind of system of awareness that we can discern, I think. So for people who care about that kind of stuff. Hmm. Didn't know that. Thanks for that. Yeah. Take yeah. Well, yeah. You, uh, you got a question, though, on Instagram today about somebody who has kids that is actually trying, this is like an interesting, so you don't hear this too much. They're trying to encourage their kids to eat more animal protein, and the kid likes vegetables. So they want to eat vegetables and they're having a harder time convincing them to eat protein. So they, they were wondering if you had any thoughts about that, how you feed your kids. So you know. looking at levels of psychological manipulation and not, I don't mean that in a negative way, but really, so food, all food we eat is, is always, there's always subconscious levels of psychological manipulation. So if I were to give you a nut versus a nut butter or uh, a steak versus a hamburger, something that's, yeah easier to chew your your body unconsciously wants more calories in less time with less effort right mm-hmm. so everyone wants the hyper palatable foods that they can consume quickly so 
my suggestion then is is to ultimately do that for your children is to find a way to start you know kind of getting the thin end of the wedge in the door getting them more eat, eating getting them to eat more meat with things that are very easy to eat so things that are, that are like ground meats or or you know really small meatballs and ultimately yeah. make them taste good and then slowly start to take away the or slowly start to s- send them down the path of the steaks right mm-hmm. i was very lucky to have an awareness that like Animal protein is very good for my children when, from the time they were born. Yeah. So like the first food my daughter ate was like steak. Nice. <laughs> it was like steak and kale. Well, really, like it was one of the first things she started chewing on. And that was her breakfast for the first six years of her life. So it's, it's a blessing. But for these other parents out there who are fighting that battle, don't give your kid a chicken breast. Don't give him a steak. Don't give him a sausage. Maybe a sausage. But give him something that's easy to chew very palatable. It uh, doesn't take a lot of work to consume it. Like kids are used to eating like drink boxes, juice boxes and like squeezy applesauce and shit. They want stuff that's like, I want it in fast. I want a huge amount of calories and I don't want to think about it anymore. They don't want to sit down. Like I know some of my kids, they don't want to sit at the dinner table for five minutes. Like I'm going to go do this. Yeah. So like, I, you know, I make them sit there. I'm starting to put a timeline on it. I think it's like, yeah, hey, we're just going to sit here for 30 minutes and we're going to talk. And then after that, you can do whatever you want. But if it takes them five minutes to chew a piece of steak, which sometimes it does, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes longer, then they're, they're not going to want to do it because it just takes too long to get it in. So finding a way to get in a huge amount of calories. And maybe it's like chili. Maybe it's like things that they enjoy uh, the, the mouth feel of and the yeah. palate, palatability of without having to work for it. Yeah. Do you, uh, you've got another question related that I, I'm very interested in what you think about this. Um, someone asking about healthy natural supplements for young children. So making sure that they get all of the, so we're talking like not being breastfed anymore, but not like seven years old, like young children um, who may be in the like Cheerios and fruit snacks stage. And they want to make sure that their kids are getting all of the nutrients that they need. What do you think about that supplementation for like young kids? Ah, Man, I don't want to speak to it too much. To be honest, it's a pretty cautious area for me. I think, I think the reality is a lot of it's genetic and I think you should look at their their DNA um, and see what they need, what they're predisposed to. There's a few things that are kind of ubiquitously important, I, th- I think, um, yeah. it seems. So, you know, I think fish oils for kids are important. I think magnesium for kids are important. I think vitamin D for kids is important. I think vitamin C for kids is important. And all of those are relatively accessible in you know, ch- kid-friendly, well, through food or kid-friendly supplement form. Yeah. Um, then you can start looking at things that may be conditionally useful for kids so, I mean, you know, this may be uh, controversial, but I fed my kids creatine for a long, long time in their life and not a huge amount, very small amount, not for the muscle building benefit, for the neurological benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think it really did make a difference. I think their uh, nervous systems are very well developed. Their brains are very well developed. They're very, very quick to respond and learn and adapt. Collagen, I think, is can be very useful, especially if they're having more protein. So we try to make sure we're getting a little bit of collagen. Mm-hmm. That's really it. I'm like I'm not really the biggest fan of probiotics, although sometimes we do it. Sometimes we do cod liver oil um, because if they're getting sick, cod liver oil is a good source of vitamin A, um, and that's important stimulant to the immune system. That's very very acute, like very short term. That's really it. So like you know, looking at just what are the foundational supplements and not going and buying a multivitamin or something like that. I think it's it's I don't know, I don't think it's useful. Yeah. I think trying to curate it based on their needs, based on their genetics. If you I mean, if you want to go so far as to do a urine analysis, you can do that stuff too. But Obviously, the needs for kids are very different, but within yeah. your analysis, you can tell a lot about what, what – so your analysis is called uh, organic acid test. You can yeah. tell a lot about what they need, what they don't need, what, what system is challenged, which one's not. Start to curate food choices or supplement choices based on that. 
Okay. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of the magnesium supplements, because our sponsor today by Optimizers, I know that they're, they, they've got this magnesium supplement that's a really big deal, but I just have to speak to one of the things that I tried through this partnership that has been crazy, crazy um, beneficial for me is their digestive enzymes. I don't know if you- So know good. Oh, I you're so, I use like a bottle a week. It's so good. I could not believe it. I mean, I used to take some digestive enzymes when I was like bodybuilding because I guess my coach was like, make sure with all this crappy tilapia and rice you're eating that you're getting whatever you get out of it. But I noticed like during quarantine, I was telling you I was having some issues like histamine intolerance and just weird issues with the superfoods that I normally eat. And I started taking these masszymes, the digestive enzymes, and every weird symptom I had went away. Yeah, they're a game changer. And and like it's, it's very easy to understate the necessity, like, oh, it's kind of good. No, like these are, it's it's massive. And this is the highest quality one I've ever come across. So when I was competing, I used a product out of Germany called Wobenzyme. And they don't, it's very expensive and they didn't sell it uh, in very many places, but I had to go, I had to go find it. And then when when Matt uh, let me know he was coming out with this and he sent me a bottle and showed me some of the research and, and the levels compared to every other product in the world, yeah. it's exponentially better at digesting protein. If you go watch the video on their website, it's crazy to watch what it does to like a piece of steak and digesting it. But so I usually have one, two meals a day and usually they're larger protein meals. So I take that and the difference is just unbelievably different. Um, and yeah. one thing that I noticed that's super, uh, two things. I've given it to all my bodybuilding clients, you know, even if they're not clients, they're people that I help. And they're like, man, this is huge. Like my digestion is amazing. I don't feel bloated anymore. I'm like, I sleep better. I'm like, yeah, your inflammation goes down. And the other one being joint inflammation. People don't realize the implication of proteolytic enzymes on joint inflammation. So if you have sore joints at all in any way, the first thing I do is I suggest proteolytic enzymes. And now the difference is is when you take it. So if you're taking it for for digestion, you could take it with a meal. If you're taking it for um, inflammation, like joint pain, you take it between meals. So I'll usually, to be honest, take it between meals. And I'll take a huge amount. Like I'll take 10 to 15 capsules between meals. I'm a big guy, right? And I I try, like when I train hard, my inflammation tends to go up and, and uh, I want to see how quickly I can bring it down. So I just keep it down as a default. But yeah. the difference is unbelievable. It's tremendous. I can't speak highly enough of this for people who, like you said, are training hard, but also eating protein heavy diets because I, it took me a while to get onto it because I was always like, I eat super healthy. My digestion's pretty good. This seems like a supplement right. for people whose bodies aren't functioning properly, no. but I got over myself. I'm like, this is actually, it's a, it's going to assist anybody. And if you're doing the things we're doing, which is training hard and eating a lot of protein, you need that extra assistance a lot of the yeah. time. And it's genetic too, right? Like some people will have a greater ability to digest protein and some people have a less of an ability and like the amount of hydrochloric acid produced in your stomach is both genetic and related to stress and gut health and all these factors. And so for someone who's under any stress at all, if you're not sleeping all the time, if you are taking in a high amount of protein, adding this is essential. So I have two things that I think is essential for gut optimization that I suggest to everybody. Proteolytic enzymes being one and a BPC-157 being the next. You can you can now get uh, oral form BPC-157 and that's the one you want to take for digestive health. That Those two taken together will like this change your digestion. So it's healing your gut, but it's also bringing down the inflammation. And I think that's imperative to optimization of everything we do, right? Because everything we do from starts in the gut. You know, if you're eating poorly, if you, if you want to have your, your body produce enough serotonin, that gut barrier is so important, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody just while we're, we finish up this conversation, if anybody wants to try any of this bioptimizer stuff, we've got a discount code. It's muscle 10, right? 
they've got this magnesium. If you go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash muscle, you can go to that one. If you want to try the enzymes that I was talking about, you can just go to Bioptimizers. We'll put that in the show notes. But Muscle 10 will get you a discount on anything. So you can try all kinds of stuff. They even have, Ben won't approve of this, but they have a gluten guardian. Uh, I, I have it. I have it in my cabinet. <laughs> Sometimes you got to eat some gluten yeah. and then you need to yeah. take a pill so that you don't have gross digestion afterwards. Right. Yeah. So Bobby's asking what's it called. It's called Mass Zymes, Bobby. Yes. Go to Buy Optimizers. We'll link to it here. I'll send you the yeah. link. But yeah, so amazing, amazing company, great products. And the thing I love yeah. about them, like they're actually, they have integrity behind all their products. They're not just doing a Me Too product line like everybody else. They're all just throwing out the same crap as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Matt's done a really good job with tons of research. And uh, I mean, I love the magnesium. Magnesium is one of those things that every human being needs to take and no one takes enough of. And yeah. um, I think it's like seven or eight different types of magnesium in there. And uh, no other product has ever had that. The most I've ever seen is four. The benefit of having multiple types, some absorb better than others. Some impart different effects in different tissues. So yeah. some may affect the muscles, the joints, the nervous system in different ways. Uh, so it's important to just, uh, I mean, that that multiple array of um, magnesium is, is a great idea. I mean, Matt's done a great job in curing, creating that. And uh, you had an awesome episode with him too. That's available. We'll put, we'll repost that in the show notes because he went deep on a lot of this stuff and explained so it really if well. If anyone hasn't listened to his first podcast, well, I think it was a muscle expert episode. I highly suggest going back to get that because I was like, you know, half wasn't functioning that day. But Matt was an absolute rock star, and like the stuff he he dropped on us that day was like. I went back and listened to it two or three times. I'm like, man, this guy's just incredible. Um, so I knew him as a brilliant entrepreneur, right? He's got really successful online businesses, brick and mortar businesses. And then we sat down and chatted one time. We were both at a mastermind together. And we did a workout together and we chatted a little bit about health and fitness. And he was telling me all the stuff he was doing. I was like, dude, you need to come on a podcast and share this stuff because people want to hear this. He, he's very extreme, right? So he does everything to the max. He goes, no, man, we're not going to do one thing. We'll do all of them. And we're going to see what actually you know moves it. And that's why he's so successful in business and in life. He's just, he's someone who, who pushes rather than sticking his big toe in. He's diving off the, off the, you know, the big board. The big but he can board. explain it. He can explain it. It's not just like, here's all this craziness, try it and see what happens. Like he can right. actually walk you through it and walk the average person through it so that we understand what we're doing before we enter into it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's useful. Can you talk about people may have noticed that there is a new podcast thumbnail. It looks different just in case people are confused about there's a new, did you just wanted to refresh things, right? Well, yeah. So I decided to go back to the image I used in the past. And the reason I did that is because it's just consistent branding across my entire business. So the muscle intelligence uses that image. Uh, the podcast, we use that image. Uh, I just want to kind of make it consistent across the board for everybody. And it just keeps it simple. Why that image? I, I think people won't realize, I want people to realize this podcast is about muscle. And the previous one, as much as it showed my uh, my handsome face. It didn't yeah, well, this one doesn't, you don't have a shirt on. So there you go. That's why you didn't did convey it. that message. To it. And, and to be honest, like there, there certainly needs to be an intent around like fine and having some new pictures done, maybe doing some new updated photos. But that one just works because I, I, I want it to be obvious that this is has an undertone of muscle building. And the, even though it's called muscle intelligence, um, sometimes visually people don't read. They just want to see. And, and that image does it. That's it. That was the only reason. And uh, you know, people people tend to like that one. And, and I think it just ties everything together nicely. It's a good shot. Shirtless picks. Never a bad idea. Right. I'm just saying. Okay. So I know you got to take off here, but we've got a couple just quick 
things here that I thought. Sure. Um, so, so we've got yeah. a, someone asking about any programs for people who are maybe differently abled. Yeah, no, un- unfortunately, you're maybe the first person that's ever asked that question. Mm. Um, it was definitely special considerations, isn't there? Like, what do you have access to? And what are you capable of doing? And and I think that would be something that would require a, a customized program ultimately, right? To Like, what is your body able to do? What, what machines do you have access to? And so, unfortunately, I don't. But so you do have different body part programs, right? right? So there may be some, like, yeah, upper body programs that might work. But, yeah, but the, the way we teach any body part, the way we teach any uh, in any video is, is ubiquitously applicable to anyone. So... Pick up one of the body part specialization guides, which is free, and it comes with three workouts. So it's muscleintelligence.com slash body part. Yeah. Uh, no S, just body part. And you can pick up a guide for any of the body parts. It's free. And it comes with three workouts. One is a strength workout. One is a hypertrophy workout. One is a metabolic workout. So you can kind of, kind of start to get an idea of how I program. It's just kind of like sticking your big toe in and, and you can decide, oh, I really like this type of program. You can get more. So that would be somewhere to start and really what you want to focus on if the way I can benefit you if anything is the way I explain it to everybody is my offering to, to the fitness space is, is everything that happens before you exercise before you you apply a program so I could pick up a program off anyone in the fitness industry but it's that program is only as useful as your ability to execute it and nobody in the world tends to teach you know that skill acquisition piece. Like, hey, you got to do this well. So if someone, if person A has an eight out of 10 skill subjective rating and the other one has a five, who's going to get better results, right? Doing the exact same program, obviously, right? The person with an eight. So the objective is how do you take yourself from where you are now to being an eight or a nine or hopefully 10 on all of the skills within exercise? Now, here's the thing. If you think you're good, you're not. And that's, that's, Unfortunately, the reality, because everyone learned from some high school gym coach who didn't know anything and they think they know exercise and they don't. It's completely misguided. So our challenge is to now shift people's perspective from what we call an exercise centric model, which is what the conventional wisdom is in fitness, to a muscle centric model. So rather than focusing on what the exercise is and completion and sets and reps, we're focusing on challenging muscles and in creating this internal focus and almost this meditative experience of connecting with your body on the inside and connecting with your muscles. So sorry, I'm forced, I don't know your name, but my suggestion, grab one of those guides, read through it. All this stuff is in there, explained as well as I'm capable of. And then, like I say, these three workouts that come with it, you'll also be offered an opportunity to pick up 30 days of programming for all of the body parts if you so choose. Right. And then we've got one more question from a Facebook user about maybe a program that can help for a diabetic. 1000%. Any any muscle building program is, is going to be extremely useful for a diabetic. So anything that's challenging your muscles, like sometimes the paradigm is, oh, go out and do cardio. Yes. Great. But it needs to be one, challenging muscularly, two, challenging aerobically. But anything that's challenging your muscles specifically done correctly will be the greatest thing you can do for improving, provided it's type one, type two diabetes, you know, any type of muscular challenge. And my suggestion is start with a program that trains more muscles more often. So maybe it's, I've recently posted a program, I think on muscle intelligence, that's three times a week, full body for two weeks. And then it's two times a week per body part for two weeks, uh, half body, right? So then it kind of splits and progresses from full body, half body, third body, then body part splits. And that would be a program that I would do for someone like that because we want to use as many muscles as we can for the first set number of weeks to really try to reestablish that insulin sensitivity provided it's type 2 diabetes. 
And what about, I mean, this wouldn't be like a, a medical suggestion across the board, but your keto muscle intelligence program would probably be a, a place they might want to look as well, right? If, if they're ketogenic, right? So uh, if they're not ketogenic, then I would say not. So people with diabetes typically have an issue with eating they eat too much sugar. So yeah. the, the thing you would, I would not do the ketogenic muscle building program in that case, right? So if you're someone who's keto, who's on a diabetic or is a diabetic and eating ketogenically, then the ketogenic muscle building program would be perfect because there's a difference between how you should be training on a ketogenic diet and how, and how you should be training on a conventional carb-based diet. It's different. It has to be different. Your body responds differently, at least acutely. So I suggest anyone who's on a ketogenic diet, go check out that program. Acknowledge those workouts are written specific for people who are on a ketogenic diet, who don't have glycogen, who can't support high amounts of stress, who can't support high amounts of cortisol because you don't have glycogen, you don't have cortisol, you don't have carbohydrate, which is your body's greatest defense against cortisol. Right. So if we, if we keep stacking more work on top of something that's already stressed, it gets it's negative. So we intentionally built out a progression model that was suitable for someone in the ketogenic space. So we start off with longer rest periods. It's more of a strength-based stimulus to begin with. And then we gradually ascend the amount of volume and work, allowing your body to adapt and maybe produce more ATP aerobically while you're uh, training hard. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, a ketogenic diet is something that you might, in general terms, want to have somebody who maybe has diabetes like look at, not saying it's the right prescription, but isn't that what we're ultimately trying to get them to do is not be so reliant on sugar and carbs and things like that? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah. I know that we try to we try to like step around making suggestions there. Right. But, but Dr. Bickman, who will be the next podcast coming out, would be a great person to listen to. He speaks specifically to that because if, yeah. you're, if you have any type of metabolic disease you should be looking at at very least a uh, low to no insulin response diet, you know, ultimately, which is ketogenic. Cool. All right. Those are the, all the questions I have for you today. Benjamin, you can go on and do the next 12 hours of work you have to do today. Yeah. Today actually is uh, is a busy one. So, yeah. Ash, I appreciate you getting on with me. I appreciate you doing such a great job creating the questions. Shout out to Bioptimizers for sponsoring the episode. Guys, it's, it's a great product. The two that I've used daily, and I'll, you know, it's, it's one of the very few things still in my supplement cabinet, is the proteolytic enzymes called Masszymes. And get the big bottles because you're going to go through it fast. And then also the mag breakthrough, which is, I believe, eight different types of magnesium. And my suggestion is for a short period of time, try a little bit higher dose than you're used to and push it up and see how your body responds and see if it affects your tissue quality, see if it affects your headaches, see if it affects your sleep. Any of those symptoms you're getting, magnesium will often uh, relieve that, especially women that are menstruating. Magnesium is a very important supplement to, to help reintroduce. So something to think about. Awesome. And the code is muscle 15? Muscle 10. Muscle 10. I overshot. Muscle 10. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll that next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bioptimizers.com slash muscle. And the code is muscle15. Muscle10. <laughs> overshot it twice. Okay, guys. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Ash, thanks for being here. Thanks, and I, we will see you guys again next week. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. 
This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.